When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like, what is love? (laughs) (laughs) Baby, don't hurt me. Exactly. Exactly. I hate myself for that. (laughs) (laughs) Feeling neglected in sex and dating with an expiration date. Hmm. But... Before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed or qualified in any way to be doing this podcast. No, not at all. We are not professionals. We are not trained in this. In fact, we're pretty like messy humans, you know, or like fallible humans, you know. Oh, absolutely. Yesterday, I hurt my back by sitting too long. (laughs) So I'm currently (laughs) sitting on a heating pad um, as I record this. Thank you. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, we are trying our best. Please take our advice as you see fit. We are just here to humbly offer our musings. (laughs) How do I say that normally? (laughs) (laughs) Our humble musings. There we go. (laughs) That hopefully shed a little bit of something on something, something. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Hopefully shed some (laughs) understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding, but mostly confusing experience that is love. All right, Sam. So the check-in topic for today is inspired by like a life experience that a loved one of mine had recently. And I'll keep it mm-hmm. anonymous just like because I think that's the kind thing to do. Um, but let's call this person Betty. So I so I have like a name to refer to. So Betty um, was working and was recently complained to me about like, an email um, that she was getting through work um, about somebody that she was working with who she had never met, but like through her program or whatever, um, who was being really difficult via email. Like so much Mm -hmm. so that Betty complained to a loved one about it, you know, like, oh God, this person is just like being so difficult, so negative, so condescending And um, these emails just like totally put the rest of my day in a rut um, and uh, mentioned when we were catching up how um, she was anxious about having to talk. They made an appointment to talk to this person um, Mm -hmm. over the phone to like talk them through their logistical problems with whatever their job was. And um, then I later heard from Betty that after speaking to this person on the phone, you know, like all of these new waves of humanity were opened up because once you speak through the phone or like in person or in that, you know, actual, uh, the actual like face-to-face or not face-to-face communication of, of live talking, you know, all of a sudden there's no vagueness in the emails. You can't misinterpret, interpret the, what, you know, the lack of, explanation points or whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, she found out that this this man's wife had COVID and that his department was really struggling. And all of a sudden, like, mm. this this 
what what was a very difficult um, conversation or interaction became like entrenched with humanity, right? And and mm-hmm, understanding. Mm-hmm. And honestly, um, listening to Betty talk about this, it reminded me so much of either personal experiences that I've had or experiences that I know, you know, we've read about in the podcast or what, whatever of text-based communications in, in interpersonal relationships and how texting, you know, there's so much assumption that is, that, that goes on even when we don't think that we're assuming things when we interact via text message. Like I assume even in the most peaceful nonchalant text nonchalant text conversation with my wife i'm still assuming what her tone and her message actually is you know there's mm-hmm. i have there's a leap of faith that i have to make with every reading of the text like this emoji means this and she meant this in this tone you know like i i assume that she's in a good mood because of whatever um but oftentimes i'm reading those text messages in not only an assumed voice um but like but through the lens of my communication style. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to like unpack some of that with you on the podcast. And because I know some people really rely on texting in dating, but also are really left sh- um, shorthanded by it. You know, it's text communication is fucking confusing sometimes. And I think it's because we forget that we're all approaching um, these kind communications with different understandings of reality, different uses of exclamation points, you know, um, <laughs> different emojis. So says the, uh, the Gen Z's and, and the millennials. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, so much can be lost in that. And I just, I just wanted to like literally check in about that idea. Yeah. I think that you're absolutely right. And I think, I think what's important to remember is that like words and the things that we actually say are just one of the multiple ways of communicating right. that we engage with on a regular basis, right? Like we as humans are very social creatures and we spend a lot of our time our and energy um, doing things that convey our meaning beyond just speaking, mm-hmm. right? Like the ways that we move our bodies, the ways we gesture, our facial expressions, like how we respond when people speak, like the ways that the things that we do with our face when people talk to us um, are all incredibly important. And I think sometimes um, we get really, we think that the only way of community, like the words are the most important part of our communication with people. And honestly, they're not right. They are, they are ways that we can convey agreed upon meetings, meanings, right? Like words have certain agreed upon meanings, which is helpful, but all of the other stuff that goes into communicating is, is also as important as the thing that we are, are saying with our words. And I think that that's really important for us to remember, especially in this time when we so often can't be in contact with people, mm-hmm. is that like, even if we're sending texts or receiving texts from our loved ones, right, saying like, I love you, I miss you, like, you know, communicating in that way, we are also still missing out on all of the nuance and all of the other types of communication that we that we need, including like physical touch, how people's body language, like their tone, all of that good stuff too. Um, so it makes sense to me that like <laughs> that Betty could be reading something from a person and completely misconstrue it, even though they're both using like the shared agreed upon right. words. <laughs> right. 
I, I love the term like people are missing each other in these digital technologically mm. driven connections, you know, and yeah. it's it it that's why, like, it's so difficult to have an argument over text message. <laughs> have you ever mm-hmm. had a fight over text because you're just literally waiting for that dot 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 to stop dot dot dotting so that you can write yeah. your own fucking response, you know? Uh-huh. Um, I, I just think it's interesting it's interesting to remember everything that we're talking about here. It's it's, and I'm not trying to send a message of like, you know, because you're having a, a bad day, you're excused for being an asshole. <laughs> but I am trying to <laughs> remind myself and others, um, myself most, that I don't know what other people's, um, uh, like romantically, I don't know what other people's linguistical triggers are. You know, for mm-hmm. me. Um, I'm married to a very pragmatic person. And so, you know, when when Willow's busy, she'll send me like a one or two word response. Didn't know before dating her that that was very triggering for my little anxious mind. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, uh-huh. and, th- and that's just a small example of like a, a like a language based trigger um, used in text message. Anyway, I'm sure that there's like <sighs> A bunch of stuff that we could unpack here. Um, I just thought it was interesting, you know, being such a technology-based generation, time in 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 the world, in history. Um, we think that technology connects us a ton, and it and it definitely does. But mm-hmm. I think it's important just to remember that it's it's connecting us on a only on one superficial level, not superficial as in like worthless. It's, it's so important, the, the the access that technology gives us. But that, again, going back to that assumption that we do, we assume the way people, we assume the reading of the text message. We assume their tone. We assume their intent All the, because we're forced to, because it's mm. only one level of communication. It's not including what you were saying, like touch, facial, um, fa- uh like our facial movements, our intonation, things like that. So yeah, like next time you're having a fight with your boo on the on on text, or next time they send you something that you think like, man, I wish, like, what does this mean? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my only piece of advice for this check-in would just be, uh, don't assume. Like, get it from the source. What did you mean here <laughs> in person? Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And I think the practice of not of observing rather than like evaluating things mm, like as I love that. you know, as someone sends you a text and you're like, whoa, what did they just say? Like literally ask yourself, what did they just say? <laughs> right, right, like, right, right. Like read the words and be like, OK, what what I'm going to observe what they're saying without putting sort of an assumption or or an evaluation on it. Uh, like, wow. Which I think is really challenging for us because we are creatures who see patterns. Like it's so how we survive, right? It's that like evaluating versus observing is going to drag so many people. Um, <laughs> when it comes to re- dating, you know, like all my anxiety comes from evaluating unnecessarily my partner's behaviors instead of observing their long-term behaviors too, you know, like this person's with me, they're choosing Mm -hmm. to be with me, but I'm going to obsess over like the lack of eye contact today or whatever. For sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it's challenging to say stuff like this sometimes because of 
the the multitude of letters we receive from people who are like dating horrible people (laughs) (laughs) that I'm like, honestly, sometimes even cautioning against it because I've seen our, I've seen our letter writers fold themselves so small in order to not actually like see like evaluate things right right <laughs> right, 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 right. Like, sometimes you do right that is so who's charming. like right who's like ah this person didn't respond to me but i but it's like they didn't say anything but they awful didn't read to my me, text like in the words right yeah no but like you're like no they're saying awful things to you you just like read between the lines um but i do think that it is you know in most parts in most instances, I think assuming good intent from people is like the best way to approach a situation and to ask for clarity when people are are unclear about the things that they're saying and to do that as much as possible in like actual communication with them where you can mm-hmm. actually like get to it, um, which I know is challenging because like I hate talking to people on the phone too. Like I get it, but mm-hmm. it also is in many ways so much more helpful to like have a actual conversation with someone where it also like I don't know sometimes I also think about like the ways in which our written word because of social media and because like we can there are so many instances for us to communicate with people through written word that it often also allows us to be assholes because we don't see the impact of the thing that we're saying on other people wow right like I can write like a really nasty email to someone and then not even never know how deeply that affected them or like have to take take accountability for the fact that the things that I said were were mean or hurtful wow and I know that that's really challenging because there's the other side of it too where like you know it's hard to say hard truths it's hard to say things that are difficult to people or like to hurt people's feelings even though we know that's sometimes what we have to do so there's like a fine line for sure but I I do I do get concerned about like you know people who are me too right who's like I'm going to type out this big thing and then just like send it to into the void and like not never hear from that other person and I think that there are times that that's a good thing to do like when someone has deeply hurt us and we don't want to let them back into our lives to like challenge our own reality but also I think it's hard to sometimes like want to say really spiteful things and know that you can get away with it because like that person's not sitting in front of you, like demonstrating to you how badly they feel about the thing that you said to them. Right. I think this check-in topic is just a perfect example of, (laughs) this is almost sounds like a cop-out, but like the complexity of the human experience. Um, For sure. I, I often at night think about like, oh, I, I fear that our advice I don't want anyone to assume that our advice is one size fits all because so mm-hmm. many times it, like this, just this conversation right here, how you're, you're saying that you're hesitating to say this because so, in some circumstances we should do this and blah, 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 blah. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a perfect example. Uh, I guess this is comforting to me because of the times in which I have struggled and am continuing to struggle. I'm comforted because I know this shit was never meant to be easy or simple that it to be a human. And, and I've said it a hundred times to be a human and to be in relationship, any type of relations with another human, whether it's professional emailing, romantic, familial, you know, it's complicated. It's, it's messy, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, don't, you know, don't text your fights. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't know how else to summarize. Like, other than like trailing off into the abyss to say, like, you know, this is so complicated. I need to it put is. like a nail on that coffin. <laughs> it is. It's so complicated. <laughs> on that note, so I'm, we're gonna like... go. We're gonna get into some fucking hella complicated letters. I didn't even. <laughs> I did not mean for this to transition so nicely, but like, I think a couple of these letters are some of the most. Like thought provoking, um, they're all thought provoking. But like, I was I was unsure as to what my I am unsure <laughs> as to what my answers are going to be. So, right, you want to get into the letters? Let's do it. The first letter is from Too Real, who is writing to us from the Void. Dear Sam and Sierra, firstly, my biggest, biggest heartfelt thank you for all that you do, and the, to the wonderful letter writers too. I've learned so much from listening to these exchanges of human experiences, musings, and words of wisdom. Whether my letter is chosen or not, I just want to express my immense gratitude for your existence. I am a 32-year-old queer woman, and I've been in a relationship with my girlfriend, 31 by, let's call her Danielle, for two years. What started as an exciting, albeit tumultuous, relationship has grown into a loving, affectionate one. We don't live together, but we live within walking distance of each other's apartments, and we spend most evenings together. Danielle is goofy, charming, and she makes me laugh a lot. Also, the sex is insert mind blown emoji (laughs) and truly changed my idea of sex because I had had a very traumatic relationship to sex prior to this. And Danielle is the first person who has ever made me feel comfortable, safe, and the first person to ever make me even come. Side note, Danielle is not my first girlfriend for anyone wondering whether gender had anything to do with this. I have also never been with someone who verbalizes so often and so consistently all the things they appreciate about me. She frequently tells me how lucky she is to have found me, how beautiful and sexy I am, and all the very specific things she loves about me. I'm sure you're waiting for... (laughs) I love this part. I'm sure you're waiting for where I get to the part that isn't all sunshine and roses. So here it is. From the beginning of our relationship and something that contributed to its rocky start, Danielle told me that what she felt for me was more a rational decision than something born of intense feelings. She contrasts that, that this to her first girlfriend who broke her heart and who was selfish, toxic, but whom Danielle was infatuated with. Danielle has told me that. Physically, I resemble this girl a lot, and I've seen the pictures, I, so I know what she means but that our personalities are worlds apart. Where her girlfriend was manipulative and close-minded, I'm patient, empathetic, and kind. Danielle has told me multiple times, even as recently as yesterday, that while she adores me, she is not sure she is in love with me. That Danielle has been so radically honest with me throughout our relationship about all of this has been a little confronting for me. I'm a child of immigrant parents who spent all of their lives trying to, quote, keep up with the Joneses. This essentially meant that honesty was not something I was exposed to often. Financial difficulties were unspoken secrets. Arguments and chaos were wrapped up in shame and hush-hushed. Affairs were discovered and then never talked about again. To find myself in a relationship where someone is so willing to talk about their doubts and fears has left me feeling confused, conflicted, and unsure of what to think myself. For example, I, too, am unsure if I am in love 
I care for her deeply. We are good together. But is this love? I'm not sure if my hesitancy or not knowing is because I'm trying to protect myself in light of her sharing her feelings from the start, or if it's simply because love is just not what I'm feeling, plain and simple. But Danielle and I both want love. We want to feel deeply and with our whole bodies love. I think we are both unsure if this relationship is what where we will find it. But letting each other go feels wrong and strange in the light of all the goodness we have going on too it just feels like there's this invisible shadowy barrier that we can't quite get past but maybe has disney has sold us a fairy tale and this is love is it supposed to feel confusing and uncertain if you could shed any light on this i would be so grateful with much love too real oh thank you so much too real for writing and for being so vulnerable with this really like heady question (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. obviously what is love (laughs) yeah and i before we like muse about our confusing opinions um i just want to say like this obviously is a stressful experience i i really feel for people who write in who are in you know committed long-term relationships and who are questioning whether or not to to stay or or should I stay or should I go? Because there's so many different levels of heartbreak and there's so many different human experiences within relationships. But one I particularly feel bad for is people who, who it's not bad enough to know if you should leave, but maybe it's not good enough to stay. And that, and that black, that gray area is, is so hard to be in. Um, so I just want to make space to say like this, this is a tricky, tricky space that you might be in. Um, and these are some big questions that you're asking. Mm, very true. Well, and I think it, it leads me to like, want to even ask that big question of like, what is love? Um, and like, that's, that's a big one. Like, and I, and I, like Sierra said, I feel, I feel, um, not bad, but like stress, anxi- <laughs> like anxious for you um, in the idea that like you're trying to not only be in a relationship with someone, but also be like, I need a clear definition and I need to figure this out before I can like mm, commit to what's mm, happening in wow. my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's a big that's a big task that you've taken on for yourself. Um, and so like, let's talk about it. Like what what can love be? And like in preparation for this, I wrote down like a bunch of words that came to mind when I thought about like what love could be. Right. And so like, it could be passionate, like you were talking about, like could be like all encompassing. It can be ardor. Uh, Love can look like caretaking, right. Love can look like doing things at the expense of yourself for other people. Love can feel overwhelming. Love could be, can be just comforting. Love can be a sense of security, a sense of stability, Love can be rational. Mm. Love can also be irrational, Mm. (laughs) right? Like it is so many different things and it can look so many different ways that it's, Mm. I think, hard to even have a conversation to say, here's what you should look for. And until you find these things, um, you should be hesitant and you should guard your heart because you don't know what it's going to, what, what is happening until you, until you find these like very rote things. And like, honestly, like you said, you know, maybe Disney sold us on this fairy tale. I do think that there is a very understandable urge for us humans 
in communication and partnership with each other to want to like establish some norms about this of mm, like, mm-hmm. this is what love is. This is what we should all be pursuing. Show this- me what it is so I can point to it. Yeah, absolutely. Because like, that's what we want. We want to see the pattern. We want to know what we are doing, what, how to make this, how to make the right decision. Um, but I think love contains multitudes. Love can look right. like so many different things. Love can not being bodily on like, you know, you can feel love in, in your heart and your head, right? You can feel it in your body and you can feel it outside of your body, right? Like there's just so many different ways that you can approach love that I, I just want us to be able to like understand that full scope of, of all of the definitions and all of the ways that it can feel, because I don't want us to sell ourselves short by saying like, Oh, this thing isn't good enough. Because it's not what I've been told it should look like. And I want to speak to the Disney fantasy, you know, the, the Disney fantasy that I know we we can all picture as mm-hmm. it is referenced. And I'm not just talking like, oh, there's a prince and a princess in some heteronormative, right. weird three-day engagement period. I'm talking <laughs> the idea that love is immediate, it's romantic, it's passionate and undeniable. And that is a lie <laughs> that, that mm-hmm. sure it can be that. And it also can be slow and rational. Um, I think the biggest point I want to make about the Disney mention is um, romance can be love, but love doesn't have to be romance. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we can, we can have those, dramatic expressions of love but that that is not a compass to, that points us to love you know mm-hmm. and i think that's where the quote-unquote disney stereotype or even just like what we're, we're sold in in popular media all over all over television and books and stuff like that is that the idea of this romance this passion this undeniability is inherent to love and that we'll know it when we're in it, which I just don't, I don't, it's not that it isn't, but it, there's, there's not a guarantee, you know, love Mm -hmm. is, is like 7,000 Venn diagrams, (laughs) (laughs) 7,000 bubbles in a Venn diagram. You know what I mean? And your definition of love falls in whatever little segment of the circles you want. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting to me that that you, you know, talk about how your relationship is loving, right? You talk about how yes. Danielle tells you that she adores you, right? Like there's so much in this that it's like, well, this feels like this feels like a strong, healthy relationship, right? right. And I and from what I got from your letter, it feels like Danielle is missing what you describe as infatuation. Right. And and love can be infatuation. Right. Like infatuation can be a huge part of love, but it doesn't have to be. And so I would I would say to you that, like, I think. I think that Danielle's honesty here, her candor to you about like what she's going through is wonderful. Right. Like I I love the amount of honesty that you're getting. I think that some people would be like, I don't I don't want that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't I'll want someone to like. Yeah, like I don't I don't know that I want someone to tell me that they're not in love with me and that they like are only dating me rationally. Um that would But I would 
offend me to the core. <laughs> Continue. Oh no, I'm I sorry. would be like, go. okay, go die. Um, <laughs> I would be like, you figured you figured that I out on your own. It's fundamentally <laughs> about myself that would make you say that you are in love with me. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I don't. I don't think that that's the way to go. Mm-mm. But I do think that there's a conversation to be had here with Danielle to say like, okay, but what's missing? Like, what is the thing that's not here that is that like so apparently is essential to your definition of love? Because mm. here's all the things that I'm seeing that are that are loving to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that that represents not just Two the years, feeling too. of Right. Yes. And not just the feeling of love but the action of love, right? Like Mm. we talk about that all the time, that love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. Love is action. And so like, it seems like all of the actions are there. It's like, so what is, what is missing from this, this scenario that she needs in order to define this as love? Because like, I'm looking at it from the outside and admittedly you wrote like, I don't know, 200 words or something. So it's like not a, a full glimpse into everything, every nuance of your relationship. But so much of what you've told me is like, yeah, that looks like um, loving relationships that I've seen, right? right? Like that looks like loving relationships that I've been part of. So what is that thing that, that she's missing and that apparently you feel like you're missing? And is it actually essential to your definition of love? I think that would be an amazing conversation starter for some deeper, more vulnerable conversations about like what your shared vision is for your relationship, what your relationship Mm -hmm. goals are. Are they aligned? You know, Um, so I definitely think you should do this. I want to add one thing, one spice into this conversation, which is I have a weird feeling about her feelings about her ex. And I want to say that I recognize that you don't admit in here that she like talks about her ex anymore. Right. That, um, there's nowhere in here that you're like, yeah. And she talks about her ex all the time. And I think she's in a love with her or anything, you know, like I, I don't know what I don't know. Right. But I do think that something that could, Something that I want to see in this relationship, whether it's written in here or not, or whether it exists or not, I guess, is that relationship is gone. It has to be wholly, wholly gone. Um, I, I, what I wanted to bring to this conversation is just a a little bit, um, I want to talk about respect. Um, And I'm, I, I I use that word rarely and I don't know what that says about me, (laughs) but, um, When Sam said, okay, so, you know, you don't love me, but I want to know what's missing. I, I also want to know, I want to know, I want to ensure that your partner respects you because I think somebody, you know, I relate to the, to the girlfriend because I used to think that, that, that passion, that infatuation, the pain equaled good love. I used to think Mm. that that intensity like meant a good relationship, which yep. later on in later relationships made me, if not actively disrespect, but not respect my quality partners to the extent that they deserved. Does that make sense? Mm. Like yeah. I was so used to the the heart gymnastics that I had to do that when somebody gave me like a stable, loving environment, I didn't appreciate 
the the actual work that goes into creating a stable, loving environment. Instead, mm. I just uh, I maybe it's about appreciation and not just respect, but you know, like I I think about this relationship and where it has to go for both of you to feel no longer not maybe the goal is not to feel um, unsure anymore, but instead just to feel like on the same page or like more confident, less anxious. I'm not sure what the goal is, but moving forward, I think that you have to erase any mental patterns of negative comparisons about your partner Mm -hmm. and any partner you've had in the past, your partner, your relationship, and any relationship you could imagine having with someone else. Those fantasy comparisons, I would call them, where we're like, well, I wonder if love is like this, or, you know, (laughs) I wonder if, if she was happier in this other relationship, or maybe your partner's thinking like, I'm not in love with you. I'm not in love with my girlfriend yet because... She didn't make me feel all of the things that my ex felt. Those are negative Mm -hmm. comparisons, fantasy-based comparisons that disengage us with our gratitude. And our gratitude is the number one thing that will root us in reality, root us in our vulnerability, and and connect us with our, 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 our authentic self the most. If you think, well, what am I grateful for? What does this relationship bring me now? What what would I not want to lose from this relationship or whatever? I feel mm-hmm. like if we can, you know, you often talk about um, switching from a, uh, how do you describe it? Like to get into gratitude, gratitude mindset versus critical or like a s- go ahead. scarcity mindset. Yeah, something you say something smart at some point <laughs> that I'm that I'm vaguely referencing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but. Similarly, what I'm trying to say is, can we shift from a a negative comparison or a, a worry mindset of like, is this, am I enough? Is this enough? Um, or, you know, I wish my partner was like X, Y, and Z into a gratitude uh, mindset of this is who my partner is. This is what all of the good things that they're bringing to my life. Mm-hmm. Just to summarize this very meandering point. It's not that I think your partner disrespects you, but I'm not confident that she is in touch wholly and fully with all of the amazing things that you're bringing to her life. I don't mean that as a mm. shading thing to to this woman. And also, honestly, with all respect to this person, they might be this might be their whole honest truth. Like Sam said, he he likes how honest this person is being. I do too, but I wonder if there's like a lack, a small lack of respect or, or at least a gratitude for what you are bringing to you, your relationship in this. Does that all make sense? I feel like I vomited on yeah, the microphone. I, I think so. And I think, um, you know, uh, intimacy and vulnerability isn't about sharing everything, right? Like, isn't yes, about like yeah. being a hundred percent honest. Um, and so would want to just, you know, I, I respect that Danielle wants to do it in this way. And I also could see what Sierra is saying, which is that like that amount of honesty isn't actually fostering vulnerability. It's like pushing someone actively And making away. you a little panicky and making you question whether you, this is love or not. Like, mm-hmm. but you're, you're right though. I, I think it's one of those complicated situations. Like, of course you want your partner to be honest, but I'm like, this feels if yeah, this, let me just say this like too real. If this was my partner, I wouldn't be able to handle it. Like, no, I, I, you, 
I, I, I wouldn't be, this would make me so anxious and insecure. And I want to be with a partner who makes me feel confident and loved, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I don't know that I could, I could handle someone saying that to me who I was like in love with. <laughs> and so I like, I do think too real that you can have the conversation of saying, listen, here's all of the things that have been brought to the table in this relationship that are, that are me indications or like measures of how deeply we are in love with each other. If these things aren't enough for you, then there's not going to be more things brought to this table, Mm. right? Like, and these things are really great things. These things are fantastic. These things are worthy of someone understanding them and appreciating them deeply and not be constantly searching for something that these things aren't because these things are, are fantastic and they're enough and they don't need any other things involved in them. Because I do want you to be able to be someone who has autonomy in this relationship and, and isn't sort of trying to figure out what the right switch is to get to love and instead say like, nope, the switches are all on. Either you're seeing the love that's here or you're not. And if you're not, then I'm going to go take all of this wonderful light and electricity to someone who's going to be able to see it for what it is, which is amazing and enough and perfect in its imperfection. Yeah, I I think I wanted to like on first glance, I want to I wanted to like say everything we said first. And, And the second take, it's like, I want you to feel confident in yourself as a partner and confident in your Mm -hmm. love. And I know that not everybody's experience is the same and that we all manifest our love and our life differently, but something's happening in this letter in which I want, I want you to want um, uh, more for yourself. Not that, not that your life is lacking, but like, um, you know, you deserve to be with somebody who wants to be with you <laughs> mm-hmm. explicitly mm-hmm. and not just, I don't know. Yeah. Trail off. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Excellent. Mm, thanks. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Any other last thoughts? No, I'll just, you know, in addition to everything that we've talked about, I just want to say that it's okay to just be present, right? It is okay to just be mm. in relationship with people We don't necessarily need to know that it's the right or perfect thing at any given moment, Mm -hmm. but just that this is, this is fulfilling me. This is supportive of me. This is, uh, I'm trusting that this is a good thing and it's okay to do that. You don't necessarily have to have the perfect definition lined up and to be able to see every aspect of your relationship in that perfect definition in order for it to be a good thing. And so I think Sierra and is right in saying like, let's take full stock and just make sure that we're being good advocates for ourselves and that we are um, appreciative of the things that we're bringing to the table and, and knowing that those are wonderful things that we're bringing. And also I think too, setting our giving ourselves space to just be in the moment and to just be like we don't have to figure this out immediately we can just sort of sit in this and and appreciate it for what it is mm-hmm. instead of trying to 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 figure it out immediately that was perfect sam thank you so much mm-hmm. all right too real thank you so much for writing we hope that this helps absolutely thank you so much for writing we love you 
Y'all, as a self-employed person, as a mom of a toddler, I am always struggling with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all of that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, you have full control over your subscriptions and a clear view of your expenses. You can see all your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, Rocket Money can help cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month so I can clearly see my spending habits and check myself if needed. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even help try to negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you, which I obviously love as a somewhat introverted, conflict-avoidant person. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Rocket Money has over 5 million subscribers and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets, sweaters, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Quince has things like premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. This past month, I treated myself to a pair of new slippers because I'm in that hashtag mom life era of my life um, in which... (laughs) Um, I am never not in slippers, and these are 100% Australian shearling-lined clog slippers, and I love that they're slip-on, but they have those durable rubber outsoles. They're super cushy, super comfortable, but I feel like I can run outside to, like, take the trash out in them while also, like, staying warm and active in the house. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right. Our next letter comes from Ashley, who is writing from the void. Hi, First of all, let me say, I love listening to your podcast. I work in a warehouse, which can be very monotonous. So it's good to have a little laugh under my mask while listening. I love that image. Right. All right. The reason I'm writing is that I need some advice. I feel like my partner's foot fetish is ruining our sex life. 
We have been together for over a decade with two children, and as the years have gone on, he has expressed more opening of his extreme fetish, saying it consumes his thoughts at Mm. times. It has made it hard to be intimate, as he would rather rather rub my feet, lick, slash, I don't want to get too explicit in the details, but I'm sure you can fill in the rest. So as that is his preference, it kind of leaves me high and dry. It's like while he's making love to my feet, I want to shout, hey, don't forget about me up here. He does offer to do things in return to please me. But by the time he is done doing his thing, I'm just so over it, Mm. disgusted and feelings of being used. If he offers to pleasure me first, I can I just cannot get the thoughts out of my mind that I know what's coming after. So I'm really not enjoying myself. I cannot openly tell him how much this is affecting my thoughts of him because I'm worried that it will hurt his feelings. It's a very sensitive topic for him. But at the same time, this is not this is his burden, not mine. I should not feel ashamed to speak of it to my friends so I can vent like normal girlfriends do. But it's so hush hush with him Mm. that I just hold it all inside. What I need advice on is do I just try my best to accept this fetish? Keep pretending that things are all right. Try to find some side thing to fulfill my sex sexual needs. I'm at a loss. I'm 30 years old and sometimes I feel like this is a life sentence for me. Please help. Wow. Thank you so much for writing, Ashley. Uh yeah, this sounds like such a heavy burden. Um and a, and a heavy burden to carry in a decade long relationship. You know, you're you mm-hmm. are you are deep in this and I, we know that you're committed to making your relationship right um, and work, obviously, from these concessions that you've been making. Um, but Sam and I want you to start making some space for your needs in this relationship or else, like you said, you're going to find it elsewhere. You're going to find love, sexuality, desire elsewhere. Um and because that's what you deserve, right? Like you deserve to feel desired. You deserve to have good sex. And I do want to make space for the difficulty that is sexual incompatibilities when partners who truly love each other, who are invested in a life together are not sexually com- sexually compatible. That's like a, its own particular form of like heartbreak poison, <laughs> you know, that you mm-hmm. swallow a little bit every day. Um it's it's so hard because you feel like you have to you feel like you're denying yourself something or that you're hiding this dirty secret or or mm. I, the the heartache of trying to balance well what am i willing to compromise on and what is actually like slowly killing me you know or or mm-hmm. or starving me of of something essential that i need and that's so painful um i can feel your stress from this letter absolutely and i think it that this situation is really fraught in in a very particular way, right? Which is that, you know, we don't want to kink shame people, right? right? Like, we don't want to say like, oh, he's got a foot fetish. That's disgusting. Or like, whatever it is, right? Because it's not. It's absolutely not. Like, these types of sexual uh, things are absolutely normal and um, and wonderful and you know, people should be able to explore them in the same way that people who have a fetish for like heterosexual vanilla sex have been able to explore their <laughs> fetish for a long, a fe- long yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, right. All sex is a fetish. Um, yes, all, it is. I will go to the bat that all sex is a, a fetish and that like we need we normalize some of those fetishes and we don't normalize other fetishes. I so, also like, love that you just said go to the bat. <laughs> Which just like <laughs> continues our terrible ability to have, I don't know, 
sports references on our show. It's go to the mat, isn't it? <laughs> and also it go to bat for. <laughs> okay. I will go to the bat Wrestling, for this. Baseball. I don't know. What's the difference? I love it. I, um, I love when you get fired up on your, you know, English major dissertations about how right. all sexual interaction is a fetish. Yes. Okay. Um, go ahead. Um, right. And so, like, I can understand the unique type of anxiety here because it's not just that, like, sexual incompatibility is happening, but it's also that, like, a, a part of him has come out in the terms of your relationship and and you don't want to shame him for it. Mm-hmm. And also... It's different than what you are into. Right. And like both of those things can be true at the same time. His foot fetish and the things that he finds sexually gratifying can be not shameful, can be like wonderful and loving and and important. And also they can be different from what you want out of sex, too. Right. And and that's a really challenging place to be in because there's just so much tied up in sex and shame and the ways in which we vilify people who um don't have a fetish for vanilla heterosexual sex. And so like, I just understand the complexity of this, but I want to affirm to you that you're not a bad person. If you don't share this type of sexual want with your partner, right? Like it doesn't mean that you're not hip. It doesn't mean that you're not with it. Mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't mean that you, you aren't, um, you're not, yeah. Compassionate to what your partner needs. And also, it's okay for you to say that's not for me. It's right. not for me. And it and that isn't a, a judgment of you as a person or the things that you're into, but just that it's not something that I share. Right. When I think about sexual compatibilities or incompatibilities, especially in context of fetishes, um, I think about fetishes on a continuum, you know, that on one side or a spectrum on one side. Um, it's like that you occasionally enjoy to dabble in it every once in a while you want to, you know, role play or you, you enjoy thinking about this and every once in a while it's something that you indulge. And the other side of the spectrum is your fetish is intrinsically connected to your ability to feel pleasure and that you cannot feel pleasure without participating in whatever fetish, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it is literally required for your pleasure. And I can't tell from your letter, but it sounds like your husband is leaning, at least in this stage of his life, leaning towards that far um, side of the spectrum that this this has thus far, or you have allowed it to be, not in, not in a blaming way, but you two have fostered a sexual dynamic that that, that foot play is required for his pleasure. Mm. And it sounds like at one point in your life, it wasn't like that. It is gradually slid down that scale. And um, and I encourage you to use this idea of a continuum to like spoiler alert. Sorry, but the only way you're going to get through this is having an open and honest conversation with your husband that is going to be uncomfortable. You are going to risk discomfort and you're going to risk triggering both you and your partner. But that is unfortunately the only path (laughs) to to like a higher connection to to better compatibility to to resolving this so both of your needs are met right um Mm -hmm. but i i encourage you to use this idea of a continuum to ask your partner in this honest vulnerable conversation where do you think you fall on this spectrum on on this on this continuum of of fetish so that we can figure out 
how we can fit my sexual desires into our sex life. How can, mm-hmm. how can we, you know, like if, if he's a hard, I only want to do foot play and have, have sex with your feet. Um, then, then that's like a, that's like a bigger incompatibility issue that you have to then contest with. Um, but if he's like, oh, you know, you can phrase it like, you know, I love making you happy. I love making you feel pleasure. I like being what you want to turn to sexually, but I need to make more space for me. I, the phrase, hey, don't forget about me up here is so fucking relatable. <laughs> um mm-hmm. And it, it it just tells me exactly, uh, uh, you know, at the core of what you're feeling is that you're not feeling fulfilled and you have a right as a spouse, as, as a human to say to your loved one, I, I need, I need to be here a little bit more. We need to make more room for me, um, as well as your desires, right? Like from what, what I am guessing from your letter, you wouldn't mind continuing to do foot play, but like less <laughs> you know like you wouldn't <laughs> yeah, mind right. um making space for his continuing to make space for this fetish but you just don't want to do it all the time the, the 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 dynamic is off and you can use these words when you talk to your husband i i am not ashamed of you i don't um think poorly about you because you have this fetish i love having sex with you i desire you but there is not enough of my desires and my kinks and my pleasure, the things that bring me mm-hmm. pleasure in our sex life. And I want to even the scales. Absolutely. Um, I think that that's a super important question to have or conversation to have. I also think that that more conversation about this in general is going to be right. really is going to be helpful for you. Right. You talk about how it's all hush hush. So you can't talk about it with your girlfriends, but I would also want you to have a conversation, be able to have more conversations with him about this. Right. And so, because I think if you can have more conversations about this and say things like, honey, I appreciate that, that this is something that, that gives you a lot of pleasure. I don't see myself in it right now. Like I don't see how I am involved in this. And that is making it really hard for me to get into it. So let's talk about like why this is so sexy for you. Like what part of it, and then like also like what parts of it are specific to me, right? Like it's not just about like feet rich writ large, right? Like is it like what about my feet? Like what about my feet makes you so excited? Like and and like sort of understand that type of thing. Um, because I think that'll make it easier for you to like get into it, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. that I have for sure had sexual incompatibilities with people in the past, but understanding why the things that they do are are like turn them on why those things about me specifically in in the things that they're into turn them on have made it much easier for me to like figure out how to be fully present in those moments because it's like oh this isn't about how he wants to lick my toes this is about like he wants to lick my toes (laughs) and he wants to do it in this and like here's the way that he's like processing through it and like here's why he's so into this has helped me be like, okay, I can get into this too. Like I can get into how much he is turned on by this thing and that it's like me specific. So if you can have more conversations about what this fetish means to him and like how it shows up might make it easier for you to really see yourself, right? You know, instead of saying like, hey, don't forget about me up here. Instead, be able to like say like, no, he, 
I am still here, right? <laughs> like this is this is also about me. But I, I these types of conversations that Sierra and I are talking about aren't going to happen unless you have these conversations, right? Like unless Regularly. you actually sit down and say like, we can't be hush hush about this anymore because this is deeply affecting our relationship and how I'm able to show up in it. So like, we need to talk about it. And if he's not able to talk about it, then, then you need to find something else, <laughs> right? Like if he's not able to talk about it, then, then there's no way that you can get past this impasse basically. Unless like you said, you get better at pretending like this is okay. And I don't want that to be the way that you approach this situation. Right. Absolutely. I, and I also want to tell you, you're not a bad, I think Sam kind of reiterated this earlier, so maybe I'm just like repeating him, but like, you're not a bad wife or like a bad person if you, for saying no to, to something you don't want to do sexually. I really like that Sam reminded us of ways that we can expand our understanding of our, of our partner's desires so that we can better process them and and then authentically decide whether or not we want to participate in them, right? Um, I don't think your husband is being problematic by wanting to fuck your feet, right? But I just want to give you explicit, like, after reading this letter, all I want to do is say, like, you should just have, like, a a month-long break (laughs) where, like, you just don't have to deal with that. You know, you don't, because I understand how the body can be so easily, like, our our muscle memory mm-hmm. is so triggering and and with sex you do feel dirty and or not dirty that's not correct but you feel used that's that's the word i'm looking for you know mm-hmm. and i don't i want you to be able to reconstruct your your sexual relationship with your husband in a way in which you can have foot play that doesn't trigger you to have these negative mm-hmm. self-effacing thoughts um yep. and that might start by saying like giving yourself permission to say, I don't want to do this. And that doesn't make me a bad wife. It doesn't make me um, an, an, a, a bigoted asshole who doesn't respect people with fetishes. And it doesn't make me mean. Okay. The line in mm-hmm. here, I cannot tell him how much this is affecting my thoughts of him because I'm worried it will hurt his feelings. That is an impossible sentence. It is an impossible <laughs> equation that you are setting yourself up for. You right. it, you cannot move through life without hurting people's feelings. You cannot be a, I'll just say it, like an honest and effective significant other without risking hurting your partner's feelings. That is just mm-hmm. a part of reality, especially if you want your partnership to continue down the journey of vulnerability and closeness and sustainability. Like the potential for pain, the potential for hurt feelings is always there. And we, and honestly, sometimes we just have to lean into it. There's no way to advocate for your desires in this situation without potentially hurting your partner's feelings. Am I saying go out and be a huge dick about it? Obviously not. No, but this is an you're putting an impossible pressure on yourself to to fix this problem and not hurt his feelings. Absolutely. And just a reminder to you, it's not a tit for tat, but he's hurting your feelings every time that you <laughs> have sex. Yes, like exactly. This. You like, are obviously making, hurting. Yeah, he's he unintentionally. Right. Like, I don't think that he's like a, right. a bad person who's trying to do mean things to you. But unintentionally, he is hurting your feelings every time that you have sex because you feel neglected and you feel like, hey, pay attention to me up here. Right. right? Like, and so I, 
I I don't think that there's like a tit for tat. He hurt your feelings now hurt his. But just to acknowledge the fact that feelings are being hurt right. over and over That's again in life. this relationship. It's it, part of a, how we hurt feelings is a part of loving relationships. Absolutely. And so being honest and being kind by talking about this kind of stuff will help you alleviate hurt feelings in the future, right? Like we can only go into situations knowing what we know and making decisions based on what we know. And so having these types of conversations that are really uncomfortable, that are like, that make us panic, that make our like ears go up to our, or our shoulders go up to our ears, right? But these are the types of conversations that allow us to actually do things that make us hurt each other less, right? Like that make us like be able to make decisions that inflict less pain because that's really, that's really what this type of conversation and communication is about is like knowing where, where to step and where not to step in partnership with people. Um, And right now he's stepping all over you and you're like, but I don't want to, I don't want to step on his toes. Right. And like, I just want to say like, get it toes. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) But you have you are allowed to establish boundaries in your sex life. You are allowed to to say no to foot play if you don't want to do foot play. You are allowed to say I'm feeling neglected in our sexual relationship right now. And and I just want you to to be able to see that in yourself, to be able to see the power that you have in this relationship, to be able to have these conversations and be able to make things different than the way that they currently are because you deserve to be loved you deserved to be to have attention on you when in sex right like you deserve to also experience pleasure um and and the fact that those those pleasures might be incompatible right now doesn't mean that they a always have to be right you can talk about it and you can figure out a way to make it work or b that you're a bad person um and that you are trapped in this forever right these types of conversations allow us to make informed decisions about whether or not we stay or we go and and at, at this point, I think that that's that's really the next step is being able to talk about this without having to hide it. I totally agree. All right, Ashley, we hope that this helps. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. We love you. Our final letter comes from Lauren Anand, who is writing to us from Seattle. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I just discovered your podcast recently, and I can't help but feel like I found it at the exact right time. Thank you for your love and for helping troubled souls like me. My girlfriend, she, her, and I have been in a relationship for almost two years. We met while completing our master's degrees in Scotland, and not to brag, but our story is Netflix-worthy. Met in Scotland, traveled to Africa together, shared a bed and a tent, and had a crush on each other, but didn't know if the other was gay, eventually confessed it late at night, etc., etc. We got together mid-2019 and very quickly became inseparable. There is, however, a huge catch. My girlfriend is from a non-LGBTQ-friendly country, is deeply in the closet, Her parents are anti-LGBTQ, and she intends to eventually marry a man, as is stipulated by her religion. She is Muslim, and her cultural interpretation is very anti-gay. I want to be clear that I have not done anything to reject her religion. I have never said anything negative about Islam, primarily because, like all religions, I believe it can be practiced in a loving way that does not condemn homosexuality. I understand why eventually she plans to marry a man. I have done my best to 
to learn about and respect her religion, and I even fasted with her for Ramadan to support her during that spiritual time. She's bisexual, so it's not impossible for her to fall in love with a man, but it obviously hurts my heart to know that someone I love so much doesn't see a long-term future with me. I knew this to a degree going into the relationship, but she always said we weren't going to last and then has pushed our timeline. When we got back from Africa, she said it was over and then quickly overturned that. Once our visas expired in January 2020 and we had to go home, she said we would have to break up. We both went to our respective countries heartbroken, and she begged to have me back about two weeks later. I was supposed to go visit her in March 2020, but hello, COVID. Believe it or not, all of this is just the backstory. We have been happily making it work long distance this year with the intention of moving in together when we can figure out how to be in the same country again. She got a job working for a nonprofit I've collaborated with in the beginning of the year based in her home country. I have experience in the area of the world and field, and in November 2019, they sent me an email recruiting me for a work-from-home position with the possibility of moving me to their country in six months depending on COVID as well as my performance. I was so excited and took this as a sign that all this hardship and long distance was worth it and that we were moving in the right direction. She reassured me that she was excited to live together and work together and that she was very much in love with me. Fast forward to about a week before Christmas 2020, she broke up with me via text message with very little explanation and I was devastated and confused. I didn't understand why she was doing this and I didn't understand how she went from looking at apartments for us to dumping me. I have blocked her on almost everything, but somehow a message from her got through on Christmas Eve. I responded, and we've been communicating ever since. She told me that she's been feeling guilty because she could not realistically promise me more than one more year together before we had to break up, and she had start she had to start looking for a man to marry. We're both 26, if this context is helpful. Finally, the guilt got to her, and she didn't want to keep lying and just panicked and broke up with me. She told me that she regrets the breakup, that she wants us to be together for another year, and that she loves me. I told her that it was unfair to take that decision from me, and if she had just talked to me like an adult, we could have had this year to be together and enjoy finally getting to live together and be together in person for more than just a few months. I also told her that the way she was treating me was not with love, but that I still loved her but didn't trust her, and moving forward, if we were even to have a friendship, she would have to earn back my trust. That was a lot of words, but hey, I have a lot of questions. Primarily, what the fuck should I do? I don't know if I want to get back together with her, but at the end of the day, she's my best friend, and I love her, and I hate the idea that we could have more time together and didn't take it. I feel pathetic, but my heart is telling me to take advantage of the love I have with this person while my head is telling me to break that a breakup from a year from now is going to hurt just as much as this current breakup does. She was my first real girlfriend and was a big motivator and supporter in coming out to my family as a lesbian. I feel like I'm going through the relationship and breakup that I should have had in high school, but didn't because I was so in the closet. I didn't even know what true requited love and attraction was until I met her. Part of me knows that I don't deserve to be treated like this, but I can't help but think she can get better about her communication and that maybe things could get better. And if we do get back together, how can we build that bridge of trust again? She has told me she is sorry and that she wants to be better, but she can't seem to tell me how she is going to be better. And when she asks me, I don't know what that looks like other than going back in time and not fucking breaking my heart the first time, LOL. I love her so much and I would do anything for her, but at what point does being 
does that become toxic to me? And is it horrible to think that maybe after a year, she will once again push our timeline and let us be together for longer? Also, what do I do about this job? I want it. It's in a field that I love with an organization that I know and trust. And I think it could really advance my career. But I'd be moving to a country in which I have no support system other than her and I don't speak the language. I genuinely say that I would probably take this job even if we break up and never speak again. But am I stupid for wanting to move in with her and have that support system while totally turning my life upside down, even if it's not permanent? Especially after how hard things have been this past year, I just want some fucking joy in my life. Thank you and all my love, Lauren. Oh, Lauren. (laughs) This is, in a word, a pickle. Sam and I have chosen to read this letter we've had it for at least three weeks but we've just sort of (laughs) postponed answering it because it is just such an interesting complicated hard question that like every Mm -hmm. time we were picking letters it was like i'm not ready like my heart is still confused (laughs) on this so um so please know that we have put a lot of thought and intention into this letter and mm. we see what a fucking pickle this is um, and how there's there's a lot of things coming at you at once from different angles. Absolutely. Yeah, this is just like a a multitude of different layers that are that are going on here, like between like cultural differences, between religious differences, between um, distance, like Work All stress. of these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Trust. Um, like, oh my God, fucking just trust. And a time. Seriously. A, an end date on a relationship or an expiration date on a relationship that is so anxiety inducing. Because mm-hmm. um, the question is like, oh, well, what if we could have this we, 12 happy months? Like, should we take these 12 happy months um, knowing that it was going to end? Like that that mm-hmm. alone without all the these other intersecting things. Um, is a tricky, challenging question. Yeah, and also a pandemic too. Let's yeah, add that yeah, one yeah, on there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I want to say uh, before I make Sam talk first, <laughs> I just want to say explicitly that another reason why this was, I had to sit on this letter for a long time is because I don't have any lived experience about cultural incompatibilities like this you Mm. know being a queer person having to come out having some um friction in my family over um being with my partner um i can all relate to that but i i i don't have any lived experience about um a, a huge cultural um barrier that that presents as an incompatibility in my relationship and i I just want to vocalize that and and just say I I can't imagine I can't imagine how painful this is um, for your partner um, what a what a particularly painful position you both are in um, and that it sucks like it's one of those lived experiences that you're like this just like straight up isn't fair and I wish it, I wish it was easier absolutely um, and I think that these. Again, we talk about this all the time, but like these issues of incompatibility um, are just so challenging, right? right? Because it's always like, oh, but for this one Mm -hmm. thing, 
we would be we would be made for each other right but that one thing can also be so big that right that the 99.9 percent of other stuff that's really great can be completely undermined by that one issue of compatibility but this is also a big issue of compatibility yes right like this isn't just like oh you know, she folds her socks this way and I fold them this way, right? Like this is a fundamental difference in what you see as your future and like what Mm -hmm. you want out of your future. And I know that this person that you're dating, right? Like is giving you a lot of mixed signals, right? Because they're like, they're They keep moving the deadline. Like they keep pushing things off. They're like, "I, I don't see myself being with you for forever. And yet I want to be with you so badly. Um, and I can totally appreciate and understand that that's like a really challenging position for her to be in. Like I can, I can totally, um, if not empathize, at least like sympathize that that's like a challenging position to be in. And, and that's really real. And also like, she's telling you something really explicit, which is that she doesn't see a relationship with you long-term and what you want desperately from this is a long-term relationship, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. At the end of the day, that's the incompatibility, which is like big. That's mm-hmm. a, that is a big one to have such very different visions for your future. And I know that she is like giving you all these signals that aren't necessarily compatible with what she's saying, which is that she is going to find a man to marry and it's not going to be you. But I want you to hear what she's saying in that instance, because you deserve someone who is not going to say that shit to you. (laughs) Right. Right? Like, even if you can trick her into loving you for the rest of time, like you shouldn't have to trick someone into loving you for the rest of time. Right. Mm. Like you should be with someone if you want to be in a relationship with someone that is long term monogamous. Great. You need to find someone who is wanting to do that with you, because like I know that that this person is wonderful and she sounds amazing and your story sounds so sounds like a netflix original movie right like it sounds like there's so much at play here but i can't see a point in which you are not begging her to love you right like i'm Mm -hmm. not i'm not seeing a point at which you have autonomy in this yeah right and i i don't see a point at which you have autonomy in this right like everything is on her terms and and it feels like your job, the way that this relationship has positioned you, is that your job is to convince her into, like, trick her, really, is what she's asking you to do in this moment. Trick her into not going for the thing that she may or may not want to do in in reality, right? And, like, that's not, you don't want to be that. You don't want to be that person that has to constantly be trying to persuade the person to stay with you like that's not that just eats away at your soul so quickly and undermines your sense of self and i i know that she's like not a bad person for doing this right she's a person who is who is working through her own shit and also what she's asking you to do is a really really gross thing honestly like i'm just gonna say it like i can understand why this is happening but also it's just not fair to you to be to ask for her to ask you to be in this position all the time. Yeah. And I feel a lot of compassion for the girlfriend for the ex or whatever, because I see her. There's a lot of um, intersecting identities that feel like they don't 
um, belong together, getting mashed mashed up right now with the potential of this relationship. And mm-hmm. nobody wants to look at someone when they love and say, you know, who I am or who I, where I come from. Um, we don't match, you know. Uh, and I want to say explicitly like that. I think I think that whatever manifestation of your ex's queerness at the, at the moment, at, at the current moment is valid, right? Um, she's still queer if she marries a man next year. She's mm-hmm. still queer um, if she uh, never sleeps with another woman. She's still, she's still queer if she never tells anyone and never comes out to her family. Um, so all, of, all of the pieces, the working pieces of her experience are valid. And, and this exploration in trying to find a way to, to be all of herselves at once is painful and messy and is probably accounts for some of the pain that she is causing you because um, I I can imagine, I couldn't imagine being in her shoes. I, um, it's painful for me to think about. Um, and at the same time, this exploration that she's doing, whether it's hurting her or not is, is is part of her journey and what it comes down to me this is this is what i like took three weeks to figure out what i wanted to say to you um lauren we have been taught from a really young age we've been indoctrinated this idea to prioritize love romance partnership over peace over internal peace over our life's peace um we we put love before peace and that equation results in so much turmoil in our lives, right? Right now, if you looked at this situation and you said, instead of my love for this person, instead of my, instead of my desire to be her partner, I'm going to, I'm going to prioritize peace in my life. How would that shift your perspective on this relationship, your perspective on this job opportunity? Um, I remember once when I was like going through, I'm sure I've spoken about it before, but when I was going through a really hard time, I shifted my thinking away from productivity, success, finding a relationship into, I shifted it from, I took those things away and just prioritize feeling happy. And all of a sudden I realized that the steps that I was taking towards success or the steps I was taking in my relationships weren't fucking making me happy. And so I put that above all else, happiness. And I and I want to challenge you to put peace above love in this instance because mm. while your girlfriend's experience is so challenging and that her love for you is obviously genuine. She is in an impossible position to love you in the way that you deserve. And you too are in an impossible position to love her wholly in the way that you both deserve. Um, and that I, that staying in a relationship that has an expiration date is not cultivating peace. It's cultivating temporary love, right? With a guaranteed painful ending mm-hmm. yeah no i think that that is absolutely true um and i love that idea of of really taking yourself off the conveyor belt mm-hmm. <laughs> like i've been thinking about this a lot recently because you know i've also <laughs> gone through a job change um 
and sort of like this understanding that I often find myself operating under of like assumed next steps about things like as what what comes next is obvious like oh and this is just what we're working towards and this is where we go right and and intentionally taking a step off of that conveyor belt and saying like is this what i want i don't i don't know and it feels like this relationship is on a conveyor belt with wow, a set yes. end that has been that has been articulated for you right um and again, totally understanding that your partner is going through a whole lot of stuff in this and is like, is doing the best that she can with this, the tools and resources she has available to her. While also saying like, you don't have to be on this conveyor belt, but the conveyor belt does have an end, right? Mm. Like mm. it is moving forward. It is going and you know what that end is going to look like and you know and so you have to ask yourself, do I want to be on this? You have the ability to step off of it. You have the autonomy to be able to do it. There are other things out there that aren't this sort of like assumed forward movement. And getting off the conveyor belt is not backpedaling. It is not going back. It is not um, It is not erasing all of the things that you've done or the 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 way that you've moved so far. But it is important for us to recognize that like we have more choice in this than sometimes we give ourselves. Um, and you you have the ability to take a step off of this. You have the ability. You know what? I'll say this instead. You have the ability to say to to this woman that you love and who clearly loves you. I don't want to be in a relationship where I am secret or where there's an expiration date. Are you able to meet me in that want out of a relationship? And if she's not, then she's not right. Like. I think so much of this is like is being framed as in like such a scarcity mindset, mm -hmm. right? Like we talk about this all the time of like, oh, I just need to be grateful for the fact that I get her for this long. Um, and I don't think that that's necessarily the right way to frame this. Like if you wrote in with different circumstances, I might say the exact opposite thing and say like, <laughs> practice gratitude for what we have, right? Be in the moment, be present. But in this instance, it's just like, I, you are being asked to be grateful for so little. Right. <laughs> like, right. And I, and I just fundamentally disagree with the, the idea that um, you should be happy f with the little that she's giving you. Thank you for writing and trusting us with this very complicated, heavy heartbreak of yours. And um, we hope our musings help, um, help you prioritize your peace and recognize that, while your love is good and worthy, I, I don't think that it's meant to stay here and grow here. Yeah. You know, we always talk about how, and I think some of this also comes up in your letter of, you know, you know, I can't help but think that she can be better about her communication and that maybe things will get better, right? Like we talk about this all the time, but this is her 100%. And the reasons, the multitude of reasons why it's her 100% at this point don't necessarily matter because it feels to you like not a hundred percent, right? Like it feels to you like 50 or 70 or 30%. And, and I want to say to you, like, I don't want you to live your life trying to convince this person to be with you. I don't want you to have to live your life trying to push them to, to get to that hundred percent that you are looking for, because at this moment, that's, this is the best that they can do. And this is, them showing up as authentically as possible. And I know that that's really hard to, to hear. And I know that it's really frustrating when 
our understandings of sort of what our relationship can and should look like can be so different. But you deserve someone who can, who's 100% feels like 100% to you. Mm-hmm. Lauren, we hope you feel a little bit less alone. We hope this helps. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. We, we love, love you. you. All right. This brings us to the blind date segment of the show. Every episode, we want to shout out something we want to set you up with. This week, we are sending you home with... It's a recommendation from Peter. Um, Peter! That's right. It's called Dance Church. Um, I love this. It's this, this <laughs> right? It's a, a group of people. I don't know where they are based, but they do um, like a workout video every week. Um, it's usually on Saturdays or Sundays. It's called Dance Church. And it's like just a bunch of people dancing to really good music. And it's it's from what I can tell and from what he really likes about it is that it's not like you know, a jazzercise, like do these moments or these movements in this way, but much more of a, just like, how do we foster ourselves to dance? Like (laughs) the comfort in dancing, the -hmm. joy of moving our bodies around in in ways that work really well for us. Um, Like, you know, building up, you know, we're going to do a warm up. So like this, these type of dance will do slow. They'll be like, get on the ground and do different types of dances on the ground. But it's much less of a, like, do this this routine and more of a, how do we come together in community to really like get excited and feel the joy of dancing and moving our bodies and, and having a good time. Is it hosted on Zoom? It's actually streamed. Um, so if you go to go.dancechurch.com, um, you can either... Uh, show up to their live classes for free, which, or like give a small donation, or you can subscribe for $19 a month and then get access to all of their back catalogs of dances so that you can do them whenever you want. So um, he's just found like a lot of love and joy in doing that. And so I thought I would share it with you all. That's lovely. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship meme. But most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Please remember to follow us so that you can get your episode every Monday exclusively on Spotify and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode as well as access to our back catalog of more than 100 episodes. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps our mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, producing, all magical things by our friend Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, the What If Podcast. And remember, this thing that you're going through, the thing that is sitting heavy on your heart or keeping you up at night or causing you pain or stress or anxiety, it sucks. It's hard. But you, you can do hard things. You've done them before. Growing is painful sometimes, but you are capable, you are brave, and you'll see yourself through. And if all else fails, just break up. 